NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody, to In Game Live right here on SportsGrid. We're continuing to give you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Jared Smith. We've been looking at all of these proposals, right, Jared? And, and, and how do we make sense of them? What are the details that we don't know about? What's being aired out in public? What are the things that, you know, reasonable people can feel some kind of way about? Whether it's, hey, I got no chance. Why am I going to go out there and risk myself anyway? Or whether it's, ah, I don't want to be quarantined in there for three months. I got a family at home. You know, this is things that you and I are dealing with here in New York City, right? How comfortable are we? And that's the magic question as we return. I mean, I'm walking around the street, Jared, and there's like no masks to be seen. I don't know how I feel about it. You know what I mean? So reasonable people can disagree. When we were coming back in hour one, we were talking about the 2014 playoff in the NHL. And I think this is interesting. You mentioned that kind of the NHL went out in front kind of had more meat on the bone in terms of this proposal. They didn't talk about money at all. I wonder why that happened, yeah, right. right? They didn't talk about that out in public at least, right? And it's not like you have, you know, it's not like you have Sidney Crosby being like, not chill. This ain't worth it. Because we're just not hearing about it yet. You know, who knows what the conversations are like. But I brought up the point of some differences here. One being the hot goalie, right? Kerry Price from Montreal. Right. Longfist and others for the Rangers. You know, what do you think about that? That in this sport, you already talk about the variance, but here, even more than like an ace pitcher or a great quarterback, you get a hot goalie, you can win the you can win the Stanley Cup. Hundred percent. I mean, we we we've seen it before. We've seen Jonathan Quick carry an eight yeah. eight seated Kings team to John a cup. Sebastian Jaguar. Yeah. Jiggy. <laughs> yeah, was that the that that Ducks was, team, right? That was the Ducks. Yeah, that was back. Ducks yeah. team. You know, it's kind of funny that that NHL, NHL and Major League Baseball. So they were obviously the last two leagues that have gone on, you know, labor disputes. Uh, the last two leagues, uh, NHL, I believe, was 05. I think, I think we lost like the 05 stoppages under Gary Bettman in his yeah, tenure. Yeah, and the last, the most recent one was 2005. We we did not have a Stanley Cup uh, awarded that year, and obviously we did not have a World Series champion in 1994. So there are some really strange comparisons. 
uh, when it comes to the labor issues in Major League Baseball compared to the NHL. It is weird how two sports, which are, I would say, totally polar opposite in terms of the pull in this country yeah. uh, and the way that the sports are kind of constructed, uh, than those two leagues. But for some reason, they're the two that, continual, that continuously disrupt things on the labor side. And I think it's very ironic uh, that the NHL, when they came back from that uh, from that strike, I believe it was 05, I think the next team that won the Stanley Cup afterwards was the Carolina Hurricanes, or maybe they were the last team, mm. and then the team after that was the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then you mentioned the Ducks a couple years later. Yeah. And then finally, I believe it was 08, 09, we started to get back to some normalcy where like it was Kings. like Red Wings and the right. Penguins and then the Kings, and, and then the Blackhawks had their run where they won like two or three in a span of six years. And that was like, all right, now we're back to normal NHL teams doing things that we expect them to do. We don't have the Lightning and, and, and the Ducks and, and, and the Hurricanes uh, winning all these Stanley Cups. So I, I very much think we're getting to a point in the NHL where it's wide open again. And, mm. and, and, we, and we've kind of graduated back towards this wide oh, open. So you're road. on plus money here, aren't I, you? I'm, I'm on plus money a lot in the early okay. stages of this NHL. Nice. I already unloaded on the Rangers at plus 120. That line's moved. Forget about it. I think the Rangers might actually become a favorite, a betting favorite, oh. uh, before it's all said and done because of the situation surrounding them. But the hot goalies can certainly be a thing. We talked about Jaguar. How about Carey Price? Yeah, how about, the, how about the Canadians, who is, a, you know, arguably the 12th seed. They're the last game. one in. Left for dead. There's no reason they shouldn't be in the playoffs. They are, and they've got arguably the best goalie in the playoffs. So I'm definitely going to look to them. I think the Islanders are an interesting team too. I don't. I don't think. I think the price is pretty even there. But they've got their series against the Panthers. But the Islanders are an intriguing team, Dane, because they were the best team in hockey the first two months of the year, hmm. and then they kind of fell off because of injury. So. If you want to talk about a team that is really going to benefit from this time off, hot goalies can rule the day. Yeah, absolutely. I want to. I want to ask you about another element of this. With the caveat that we're right now, the sausage is being made, whether we see it or not, we don't know, okay? And I accept that. And we're talking about how, okay, the NHL is out in front. In this proposal, though, what I'm learning, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jared, but I'm hearing two hub cities, right? Two Truman Show bubbles, right? But we don't know where they're going to be, okay? Yeah. And what I'm hearing is uh, Chicago, Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Edmonton, L.A., Minneapolis, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto, Vancouver, and Las Vegas. Now, first of all, all these leagues can't be in Las Vegas. All right. Yeah. You know, everyone can't be in Orlando. I'm hearing the MLS in Orlando also. That's another reason these guys got to get finalized because I'm going to tell you the arena in Orlando is going to take whatever action comes first. You know, you know what I mean? So they got to figure that one out. Also, listen to what I said. Edmonton. Vancouver, Toronto. If a Canadian city is one of these hubs, Jared, I think it opens up Pandora's box of, of what we can do here. When you talk about travel, and when you also talk about, I mentioned that the U.S. Division of Homeland Security said that athletes can come on in. Canada has said no such thing, right? So what do we do? You know, what do we do? Are those players going to have to have a two-week quarantine in Canada, but not in America? What, and, you know, there are still a number of international players, right, that have to come in. I know you said it may be only like one in five, but what happens if they're one of the teams that happens to be drafted to the Toronto site as opposed to happen to be in Columbus, Ohio? And now there's a new set of regulations that we have to clear in order. Maybe there's different kinds of testing in different countries, for goodness sakes. I think this is a very slippery slope. And the NHL, more than any other team, I know there's the Toronto Blue Jays. I know the Raptors are definitely involved in the NBA equation. But I think this completely complicates things for the NHL being across two countries and even the idea that one of the hub cities may be in another country. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about it now, but I have faith that this is something that is paperwork. And we're going to get to the point where the countries are going to say, listen, this is what's happening. And, and you know, so Gary you Bettman, Donald Trump and Trudeau to be on the same page. I don't think it has anything to do with Trump and Trudeau. I think it's okay. more the the. I, I don't think this will get. Well, actually, to be honest with you, if if it's Trump, yes, because you know how much he's lobbied for sports to come back. So okay. if it's Trump making the decision, he's got a presidential pardon to get anybody in the country that's going to play sports. Uh, I, I think it's a little extreme to say that someone coming from Canada has to isolate for two weeks. I, I think that's crazy to me. 
you know, you, you, you all I'm you, saying you is that the country of Canada and thus a host city sure. is likely going to have some differences in their policies and their restrictions and their guidance. You know, it's, I, it's I'm not I, I'm not that concerned with that, yeah. to be to be perfectly honest with you. I, I, I do think that is a paperwork, logistical, you know, administrative thing where we need to have a phone conversation with reasonable government officials to say, listen, we've got this list of players coming into the country to play a professional sport. How do we get them in safely and, and swiftly? Okay. And I, I, I have faith that won't be the hangup. I, I think there are other things, i.e. testing, that sure. could be a hangup. I don't think actually physically getting people into the country is going to be a hang-up after it's all said and done. I, I, I have faith, call, call it blind faith, if you will, but I, I do have faith uh, because that, to me, seems more administrative than actually, like, it's not like the players that are coming in have coronavirus. I, likely, they've been tested wherever they are. Right. I, I'm assuming most professional athletes at this stage in the game have been tested in some capacity. What I'm saying is, Whether it's, it's antibodies right? or it's a test. If a player tests positive mid after the bubble starts, someone tests positive in the country of Canada, there may be something different by law requirement that has to happen than hey, if someone tests positive I, I, in America. I, I, I honestly don't know. I'm assuming it, whatever that whatever safety precautions that have been deemed baseline when someone tests positive, I would hope they're they're consistent amongst North America. I mean, Jared. I would hope. We're not even consistent state to state here in America in terms of what can be open, in terms of yeah, where in terms the of what can be open. But the testing has been nationalized in a sense, whereas now the governments are buying tests from the, 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 the national reserves. Hmm. So I, I, I don't know what the right answer is here, but I, I'm not concerned with players getting back into the country. I, I, I think that's something, while on paper it seems daunting because there's all these restrictions in place, I do think if you get two reasonable sides in a room together and you're like, listen, you guys need sports. We need sports. We can't have sports without athletes right now. And also, I gave you the number. Only 17% of uh, NHL players are overseas right now. So it's not a huge – there's only 925 NHL players, 17%. That's about, I don't know, 100? 150. I mean, that's – you're telling me we can't get 150 people into this country safely in the next two months? I, I don't think that's going to be – I really don't think that's going to be an issue. I really Fair don't. enough. And the travel is only a piece of this, right? I'm, again, just speaking to the fact that across countries, it just complicates the issue. Oh, it, sure. It, it, it definitely makes it on more complicated, some level, right? Absolutely. Especially if you're going to have one of your hubs in Toronto, let's say, and one of your hubs in Pittsburgh. You know, you may have inconsistencies there, and if we're trying to figure out what's the case for everybody – it may become a little bit different. Do you think, you know, we talked about the Rangers, we talked about the Canadians. Are there any other teams here that you think kind of gets banged by this kind of format that is behind the eight ball because of the way this worked out? I know you said maybe like those six, seven teams, but does is there anybody you think that this doesn't help or draws a bad first round matchup, for example? I know the you've Oilers been looking at the 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 I was looking at the numbers yesterday. The Oilers kind of get screwed a little bit because they had more points than the Stars, but because of the seedings, they're mm. not going to get one of those first four buys, I guess. But I, I don't, get the I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if not playing is is a help is help helpful at this point. I honestly don't. I and we talk about this in the NCAA tournament all the time. I always give a little bit of a boost to the teams that just won that play-in game Tuesday night compared yeah. to the teams. Yeah, you're hot. You're coming off a win. You're feeling good compared to other teams that are, you know, going through the motions, just playing for seating in, in a kind of an exhibition style, I would imagine, from a mental standpoint. Probably a lot tougher to get up for one of those games against the top four team when you're just playing for seating than when you're playing for your playoff lives. So I don't know if those top and, – and that's why the NHL field is so fascinating. I don't think it would matter as much in the NBA because the NBA, the, the best teams have such a definitive advantage anyways – even giving them that extra rest, I don't think helps, mm. you know, I, I, whereas the NHL, I, I think the NHL dogs are live all over the place. So now you give the live dogs even more of an edge. Yeah. And, and I, I think the hockey, I, I think we're going to look back on this hockey postseason in 20 years. and are going to be like, man, that was something else. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe it sticks. Maybe this is a format we keep. You never know. All right, fair enough. Well, listen, uh, one thing I know is that next weekend when we're back here on in game live, there'll be new details about major league baseball, 
about the NBA, about the NHL, about MLS, and we'll, you know, keep on reading the tea leaves and seeing how and when these sports will come back. One thing that's going to happen later tonight is the UFC is back in the octagon. So Jared and I will give you some thoughts on those fights on the card because we got to make some money before team sports comes back. We'll start to do that on the other side of the break. It's in game live right here on Sports Break. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, back on In Game Live right here on Sports Read. We've spent a while here, Jared, trying to figure out what's going to come in this return to play here, right, in this country for different leagues. One sport that is back, never really left, was the UFC, right? And, you know, they wanted to do it in California. Governor Newsom said no. I think Dana White is still planning to make this island happening. But, you know, they were in Florida. And now, though... They're kind of back home in Vegas. This mm-hmm. is important as well, right? I mean, in the same vein that, you know, California, New York, opening team facilities, the return to play, to have these fights back in Vegas, that's a big boom, right? That's a big step, not only for sports, not only for culture, but for normalcy here in our uh, in our sports investment ways. Monstrous. Uh, it's monstrous for a couple of reasons. So first of all, so this is going to be, at, as you mentioned, at their team facility. It's not going to be, you know, an MGM grand or, you know, a Luxor sure. event. Uh, it, it's going to be in their own little world, their own little universe, so they can control everything, which I think is important because uh, in Jacksonville, there was some issues with, you know, where everyone gets, gets tested and where they right. work out. And right now the Apex, this facility was built for a UFC stronghold. It was made for this. And so finally, the Nevada governor, you know, lifted those restrictions. And not only they're going to have this fight here this weekend, but then UFC 250, which we'll get more insight on next week, uh, yeah. will also be at the apex. So that's great. 
it's great for Vegas. We're hearing good things about Vegas reopening June 4th, the win, uh, Caesars Palace, all of these things nice. are opening, which is great. When are we going out there? Anytime you want, brother. You know me, man. You know you don't got to give me an excuse uh, to go out to Vegas. A Manti Teo bachelor party. <laughs> I almost forgot about Manti Teo until you just mentioned his <laughs> name right there. Uh, but overall, this is great. You know, we're getting – and I think it's just another step towards normalcy. And, and you know, I think we're going to see a lot of things over the next couple of weeks that are going to feel normal. Uh, EPL, June 17th. La Liga, June 10th. Soccer's back. Golf's back in June. NWSL will be the first team sport in North America to return at the end of June. And now we get the UFC back uh, in Vegas. So slowly but surely, we've been watching a lot of events overseas. Now, American soil, things are starting to come back. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig on in here. There's a couple of fights I know you have leans on, or at least our good friend Yanni the Greek does. And, uh, you know, he's been killing it so far here on the grid as we get into the UFC. So let's start... Talking about first, the main event. All right, you got Tyron Woodley. He's going off right now at minus 185, minus 190 against Gilbert Burns. Now, Woodley, listen, he's only lost once since like 2014. And I find it interesting that four of his last five fights have, in fact, gone the distance. All of them, you know, the five-minute round. So we're talking 25 minutes here. So I think that's interesting. But Burns is on a five-fight win streak as well. You know, it's kind of the immovable force against the irresistible object, whatever that phrase is. My question is, do you lean on a fighter or the idea of this fight going the distance, which four of the last five have for Woodley? So this one, Yanni's got Morales by decision. Or excuse me, uh, Woodley up to minus 200. We'll get to we'll get to Morales Gutierrez in a second. Yeah, Woodley, Woodley up to minus 200 is the Yanni play here. I, and the handicap was... The so handicap get over the distance. Yeah, he does. Uh, actually, he didn't give me a distance. He just said he he said he likes Woodley up to minus two hundred, oh, and okay. his reason for that was he believes. And this has been this has been kind of a growing theme amongst the uh you know the 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 new age. I don't want to call it new age, but the post corona uh situation is the the fighters are being judged much more on significant strikes, whereas Woodley is more of a boxer and Burns mm. is more of a grappler. And, and, and what Yanni's leaning is that the books are not adjusting enough to where these fighters are becoming more boxers than, than grapplers. And, and he thinks Woodley's a much better boxer that gets much more significant strikes, which is why he really likes – and we've seen the line move very steadily in that direction. And he said it might actually go back in the other way before really? we get to uh, fight night because it's moved. I think it opened somewhere in the, in the 40-cent range, and it's already up to, what do you say, 184 on FanDuel. So yeah. it's moved about 40, 45 cents over the last week or two, and he thinks it could settle back down. I got it at, I think, 175, uh, somewhere in the 170s. And I, I won't bet it again unless it drops below that. If it drops below one where I got it, I'll, I'll probably hit it for another half unit or so. Right. Uh, but he does like Teron Woodley in this fight. The chosen one. I love the nicknames. There you go. Fair enough. So you got to help me on the names and the nicknames of the ladies who are getting it done tomorrow and, uh, tonight. All right. Later so we tonight. got Antonio Shevchenko, and she's fighting Caitlin Chokuglin. Oh, uh, right now, this, this is up. a little bit closer. Shevchenko is the favorite going at about minus 135, minus 140 at this point. Yes. Caitlin Chukagian there you go. against Antonina Shevchenko. Here cool. are the nicknames. The Blonde Fighter. That's a kind of un- okay. unoriginal nickname, if you ask me, against La Pantera. And I do love the nicknames. Uh, they, oh, they me La Pantera all night long. La Pantera all day. So this is a two versus a 12 seed. Uh, uh-huh. The pick that Yanni gave me was Shevchenko by decision. Obviously, Shevchenko money line works as well. But this is another one that could drop because, because uh, Chukagian's getting some of the public money here. So be mindful of the movement. But the nugget that Yanni gave me that I loved, and I don't know the exact names, so I'm not. Gonna, I'm just gonna say what he said in a, in a more rudimentary way. But Shevchenko's sister, who apparently I don't know her name, but she also fights in the UFC. She okay. just fought Chukagian, and guess who Antonina Shevchenko's sparring partner has been during this whole pandemic? Really? Yes. Yeah. So guess who has the best insight? Inside on Chukagian. Well, it's the person who just fought her, Shevchenko's sister. So Shevchenko is the sharp side here. Uh, I, I can't offer much more insight other than that, and I'm betting Shevchenko. And the line could drop, so just be mindful of the movement. What I got to understand is, like, is there a third Shevchenko sibling? 
and how horrible their childhood must have been when both of their sisters, whether you're a guy or a girl, right? Mm -hmm. When both of your sisters are ultimately MMA fighters, that, that sounds like a bad upgrade. Not bad, but like that they were losing those fights. I'll tell you that. All right, there's one other fight here on this card that I know you, uh, either you or Yanni has a lean on. Yeah. And this one is almost a coin flip, okay? As I look right now, we got Chris Gutierrez going up against Vince Morales. And Gutierrez is minus 112. Morales is minus 104. This is, in essence, a coin flip. But Yanni's been hot, so I'm trusting him. Which way is he leaning? Yanni has been hot. Gutierrez opened as the favorite, a pretty heavy favorite, and it was bet down very fast. And that's why down. I said I, I kind of let the cat out of the bag early. I was looking at the wrong fight. But Morales up to minus 150 is, is where Yanni books <laughs> this fight. And Gutierrez opened as a pretty heavy favorite. Morales was a was a fairly significant underdog. I think twenty or thirty cents. And 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 it got bet uh, hard. And 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 Yanni said specifically his exact quote. And again, go to our website, go to YouTube, watch this segment, watch the interview because Yanni does a much better better job than me uh, breaking down these fights uh, from a gambling perspective, especially. But he he said the exact words that that the books paid dearly for for opening Gutierrez as the favorite. Really? A lot of money came in on Morales. Uh, and, and he thinks Morales is, or excuse me, a lot of money came in on Morales as a dog, but he still thinks Morales is the right side up to minus 150. Wow. Morales by decision, if you wanted to sprinkle on that, you probably get some plus money there. Uh, but obviously the, he, the, the wrong side was favored here. And again, the, the, the significant strikes and the boxing versus wrestling comparison here is where he's leaning. He is under the impression that, and, and another thing too is, the the gym or the octagon at uh, the apex is only 25 feet compared to oh. 30 feet for the Vegas situation. I mean, for the Jacksonville situation. So smaller octagon, harder hmm. to, to move, right. better for boxers. You're in closer quarters. You can get strikes in easier. So I, I think that is, is just his handicap with a lot of these. And it makes sense. Morales up to minus 150. Uh, I already played it. Can you give me a little bit more? Jared, on this idea of the boxing versus sure. the wrestling, and in this post-pandemic fights, how it seems like you're saying the significant strikes, the boxers are doing well. Is that what I heard out of you? Because yeah, um, so I'd be wondering why that is. I, I don't know the exact details, but from what Yanni says yeah. is the judges are grading those differently, and they're taking Can a little I, bit more, you know, they're, they're having thinking, a little more impact. When I watch a boxing match or a UFC fight, right? I ain't cheering when someone's in a damn front guard yeah. for three minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But someone nails a Superman punch or a question mark kick. The whole arena is like, oh, wow. Are the judges impacted by that? You know what I mean? Where maybe the fans are less animated about great wrestling takedowns or shooting the single leg and the response from the crowd, right? Um, may have anything to say with the judges? Good point. I think the judges are just kind of going with what they're seeing and not what they're hearing. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Right. And, and so the idea of strikes, though, move the needle with what they're hearing a lot more than like ground and pound. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I'll have to watch back the segment. I'll have a little more, maybe more insight for you next week on it. But yeah. it does appear that to Yanni's perspective, the judges are favoring the strikes and how many you land compared to if you, you know, are, are able to just grapple. And, and wrestle because you get more points. And I, I don't, I, I wish I, I knew more about the scoring systems and how those work, but it, it does appear from Yanni's perspective uh, that they are favoring uh, some of those fighters that can land those significant strikes compared to the ones that can, you know, bout someone and keep someone at bay more right. so. The, the, those points are not being weighted as heavily uh, maybe in fights past. All right, fair enough. Uh, just real quick, you know, you're talking about Yanni's plays. Our guy Gabe Morency yes. is out here as well. He's got a couple of plays. We'll put them up here as well for fight night. You know, it's some, in the prelim. He's on Royville, um, and that's a dog. So if you're looking for plus money, there's an opportunity there. He's got, you know, he's on these dogs, all right? He's on Spark Carlisle as well at plus 120, or at least that's what it was when our friend Gabe got it. Um, and then you see some of these other fights in the main card, you know, the um, Ivanov fight to go the distance. And then he agrees with Yanni and with you that Tyron Woodley is the play there in the main event and that it will go the distance. So we're kind of, uh, kind of synchronized there. I may drop some shekels. I like this fight going the entire 25, mm. if you ask me. All right. 
when we come back, here's what we're going to do. Because, listen, I'm going to hold out hope, Jack, that we are going to play baseball this year, okay? And so that means I'm going to hold out hope that I can play some fantasy baseball this year. Last week, we did the top first baseman, right? According to our guy, Chris, the Ventura, the closer. The closer. We keep that going today. We look at the I got a new nickname for uh, Chris, by the way. Yeah, what's that? Vince, Vince Morales' nickname is Vendetta. Ooh. How about V for Vendetta? Absolutely. The by the way, closer, I'm, uh, the vendetta I'm closer. sort of friends with Natalie Portman. So yeah, when I hear V for Vendetta, that's what I think of. But oh, I digress. Yeah. We come on back and we shine a light at the second base position. There's a lot of ways to approach the second base position in fantasy baseball. We'll get into that up next. It is in-game live. I'm Dane. He's Jared. We turn our attention to fantasy baseball. I hope you'll be here as well. Uh, the Braves have a pretty good one. I wonder if they'll be at the top of the food chain. We'll come back if you want to find out. Come on back. It's in-game live. We'll be back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody, to In Game Live right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane. He's Jared. And we're trying to figure out how to help you win your leagues and win that cash. When we're doing it, you know, in every sport, whether they're coming back to play or not, we've got to get ahead of it. And that's what we do, right? Giving you the edge. So, Jared, right now, we got to look to the second base position. All right, we did first base yesterday. Guys, we like, you know, you were all about Josh Bell. We were all about DJ LeMayhew. And what do you know? I see DJ LeMayhew again in these second base ranks. You know, the position versatility of a guy like LeMayhew is very, very important, obviously, when we get to fantasy. You see some of the lists that we have out here. We'll divide it, you know, one through five and then six through ten, again, as we have done before. But I want to ask you a couple of big picture questions before we get into some of the names that are here. One, we talked about the corner infield and the outfielders being like your sources of power, right? Generally in sure. fantasy baseball. 
and the flip side is true, right? When you're looking for stolen bases, when you're looking for runs, a lot of times you're going with that middle infielder, right? So I want to ask you, are you someone who's generally, especially now in this home run laden, three true outcomes world, are you someone who's going to punt on stolen bases? Or are you someone instead who's like, you know, I know there's some power hitting second baseman, right? I know there's some guys who can help me with that category, but I really need to get my speed from the middle infield. The need for speed. There you go. I, I, I think I'm kind of on the fence. Okay. You know, I, I think there's I think there's ways to get stolen bases in other areas and be creative about it. And again, I'm I'm still in the in the vicinity of I always want versatility with my players. Okay. I don't like to pigeonhole myself and I would prefer if I'm really hurting in a certain category to go fishing on the waiver wire for that. I think it's easier on the waiver wire to find one specific category of person. Even stolen the, bases that's kind of drying up? Yeah, stolen bases is a weird one. I've always been on the fence. I, honestly, I don't think I've ever really put a ton of thought to, like, how do I handle stolen bases, to be honest. No, I hear you. I just normally it is those, you know, light-hitting middle infielders. Like, look, True. number nine in our list is Jonathan VR, right? Yeah, the, who I really like a lot because he's going to be at the top of the Marlins lineup and he's really the only player on exactly. their team that can play. But the reason <laughs> that makes him fantasy viable is you're expecting 40 steals out of him. But right. you can also play him at short, which adds the 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 longevity yeah. of the position. Uh, so the speed was one general question I wanted to ask you. This next one, eh, I lied. It's not a general question. It, it's a general theory about a specific player. And it's Jose Altuve. So, as we know, Jose Altuve knew what was coming for the last few years, right? And listen. That sneaky, that sneaky. Altuve uh, is a guy. Rat. Part of the reason he's a top-flight second baseman, I mean, he had what? He had 31 home runs last year? 27 doubles? I don't know how much that's replicable, right? But he's also someone who usually hits like 320, hits 330. Okay, now we know that he used to know what was coming over the last couple of years, and now he doesn't, or at least we don't think he will, right? So I guess my question our guy Ventra, V for Vendetta, has v still for Altuve Vendetta. as number two second baseman. I think a big question, not only for Altuve, but for a lot of your high-profile Astros, is how far down are you dropping him? I, I'm definitely not drafting him in front of, like, say, for instance, everyone on this list was available yeah. except for Ozzy Albies. Right. And I had to pick one. You, you There's pick no chance I would take Jose Altuve. First of all, again, what do I say? versatility in fantasy baseball is sure. key. Not only does Marte, Cattell Marte, play three positions. Right. Not only does Glaber Torres play two positions. Yep. Not only does DJ LeMayu play three right. positions. But the power numbers are kind of on par. In fact, I would say Glaber's probably going to hit for more power than, than Jose Altuve well, will this season. So I, I think overall Altuve needs Altuve. to be way further down on this list. How for less for Altuve, like... Um, you're a numbers guy. I can have this conversation with you. Sure. It, are you expecting 90% of Altuve? Yeah, like, I mean, what? I, I, I think 80. I think 80. This, yeah. Also, Jose's north of 30, right? He's, he's getting up there in age. He's been around the block yeah, a long time. 30 season. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think, I, I think Jose, I, I think you need to shave 10% off of Jose's, uh, expected okay. output. I, I would say that's a reasonable, reasonable answer for me. And are you carrying that forward to like, all the Astros we're talking about, or the big name ones? You know, are you going to think the same thing when we talk Bregman? Are you no. going to say the same thing when we talk Springer? No. Why not? Because those guys are up-and-coming players, and I don't think they needed the help, whereas some of the other players maybe didn't need. I, listen, Altuve's always been an enigma wrapped in a riddle. It's I mean, true. this is a guy that it's, has literally overachieved <laughs> his entire career. Yeah. And maybe now you can see, well, well that's why he was hitting all right. those home runs. So I, I think... Alex Bregman is is a, is probably a, an all-world player with or without sign stealing, and same thing for George Springer. Uh, George has been a little injury prone. Uh, I, I had a big prop on him uh, to score over 100 runs last year, and he was hurt for most of the season. So uh, I, I, I'm a little down on George. Alex Bregman's one of the best players in baseball, and, and he'll continue to be um, for it was you know sign stealing or not. So 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 he's a guy very high on my list. Um, I'll tell you what, Michael Brantley's a guy that that I'd look at a lot a, a, as a plus. Because I think uh, I, I think he's a player that is going to have a good season for uh, Houston. Okay. 
It'll be real interesting, you know. The next position we do is shortstop. So I'm going to be very eager to hear what you think the impact for a guy like Carlos Correa is when we get to that. But, you know, all right, so Jose Altuve, notwithstanding, by the way, he had 31 home runs last year in only 124 games. Man, he really knew when those fastballs were being grooved. Bang, bang, bang. But I digress. All right, one of the things I know you have said, Jared, is we've talked about these Chicago White Sox and how they have some young talent that is on the precipice of, you know, breaking through, right? And Yoan Moncada has to be at the top of this list. This was a guy who was 10th among second basemen in fantasy points and production last year. The closer here has him eighth, I believe, in his rankings. You've been talking like you like Moncada to break out. He played in 132 games last year, was able to have 25 jacks, knocking almost 80 runs, and also, you know, stole 10 bases, right? So you get a little bit of that speed there as well. I think a lot of people expecting Yoan Moncada to take a huge step forward. Are you among them? Yeah, I am. And and if you look at this roster for the White Sox, it's a pretty stacked roster. Uh, I like Jose Abreu. I like Laurie Garcia a lot. I, I like Nomar Mazar a little bit, too. I think that was an underrated signing for the White Sox this offseason. Very interesting season for Chicago. And for once, we're actually talking about the Southsiders or talking about the Northsiders instead of the Southsiders. Usually mm-hmm. the conversation revolves around Wrigley and, and what Joe Madden's doing with his crazy lineups. And, and that's obviously not part of the equation anymore. He's in Anaheim. So I, I think overall... Uh, this is a chance for the White Sox to steal back some of that market share that the Cubs have been dominating for so many years. And unfortunately, even when the White Sox were good, do you even remember that they won the World Series in 2005? Some people forget. Uh, It was the same crazy year that the NHL went on strike. Mm -hmm. It was one of those weird years. Uh, Overall, I think, though, this is a very good Chicago lineup. I think that needs to be part of it. Was that under the Astros when the Astros were in the National League? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, it was the Carlos Beltran Astros right. as well. Some very yes. good Astros teams, actually, during that time. Um, Roger Clemens was on that team, I believe, too. So there was some really good uh, Astros uh, love going on during that time. But overall, I think I, I think this is a I think this is a very difficult handicap with Moncada because, you know, he's now in the spotlight and it's hard to it, it's really hard to handicap first seasons in the spotlight. Right. But he came over in that Chris Sale deal and, and there's there all this love around him and, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, rightfully so. Him and Michael oh, Kopech, I think. He to Boston been... originally, right? He got yeah. big money as an international he kid. Did. He broke yeah. the bank as an international kid. And, you know, now maybe he's worth it. You, you mentioned the sale deal. It's almost like now, you know, he's what, 25? Maybe he's, you know, entering that prime. Yeah. He's really going to start to blow up. No, he's a switch hitter. And and, and he does all the right things. Uh, I, I think overall he's one of the more exciting players in the game that you probably haven't heard of or haven't really seen play yet. And I think you will. And, and again, we talked about this from an overall perspective. And let's operate under the assumption, uh, you know, as 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 crazy as it sounds right now, that b- baseball will happen, and right. and we're gonna have an 80 game season, and it it it'll compress things. And when you compress the output, it makes the other parts of the equation altered in some way. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe you're looking at a Yankees team or an Astros team with all the talent in the world, and over the course of that long season, the talent will win out. Well, there's some other good teams in baseball, i.e. the White Sox. They're really my my boom or bust team, I Marianne think, this team. year uh, that really could get a boost from the fewer amount of games because their right. pitching depth isn't there, but the talent on offense is there. And, and you know, I think Kopech's going to be their guy that you hope is the next ace, but overall the pitching depth is very poor in Chicago, uh, White Sox and Cubs. Uh, but on offense, they – they, you have a case. You can make a case that they yeah. got one of the most exciting offenses in the American League. So I, I think overall it's going to be a very fascinating handicap. Uh, Mancada, and then Abreu's interesting. And don't forget, you got Edwin Encarnacion, oh, two yeah. professional hitter. Uh, he's going to be the DH for this team. So there are some there are some pieces in the, on on the on on the north side that I think really could play into a very Absolutely. increased output production wise, and 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 that's where we're hoping for. I think if you're a Mancada buyer. Yeah, I'll go further. You know, you mentioned the pitching. You don't, I mean, Giolito had a breakout year last uh-huh. year. I think they brought in maybe Dallas Keuchel. They brought in a good veteran as well in that rotation. You can check um, me on that. Who it is, yeah, but, uh, Gio Gonzalez. Oh, Gio I think Gonzalez. You're up. So their rotation will be, it looks like it's going to be 
Uh, Giolito, Gonzalez, and Dallas Keuchel. You're right. He's on. They did bring in Keuchel. Uh, and then Kopech, obviously, as well. So that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting roster. It's yep. an interesting rotation. It really and is. And we've talked about, you know, these teams with the variants, right? And the White yeah. Sox could be right there. That could take bad. Giolito, Keuchel, and Kopech? That's it's not bad. It's not bad. But let's turn our attention back to the second baseman here because, yes, Yohan Moncada is someone we like. You you ready for my hot take? You ready for my hot take? And, you know, I am a Yankees fan, right? Um, I think Glaber Torres or DJ LeMahieu, I think the AL MVP is on this list. I think either Glaber Torres or DJ LeMahieu has a very good shot at being the MVP of the American League. Everybody wants to talk judge, but I think the variance there is a little bit too much for him and the injuries as well. DJ LeMahieu was an MVP candidate last year, but I'm talking about Glaber Torres. Listen, when the chips were down in the postseason and clutch spots, Glaber Torres was the guy for the Yankees. He's another one that can take a step forward. He's 23 years old, just like an Ozzy Albies who's at the top, just like a Yuan Moncada. I'm expecting a big move up for Glaber Torres. He has the most home runs on this list, 38 already in 144 games. You could get 40-plus home run potential or at least a pace for that. It won't happen like that in a 80-game season. But I really love Glaber Torres. When we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to see any guys that you would fade on this list. The closer also has a couple of sleepers that we will dig into and see if Vendetta are worth your uh, late-round picks. We're going to be doing that, shining a light on the second-base position here for Fantasy Baseball. It's in Game Live. Come on right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. In-game live on SportsGrid. We continue the content train rolling. Dane and Jared here. We're looking at the second base position. And honestly, Jared, at first glance, when I look at this, second base is 
deeper, in my opinion, than it has been in a while. We have the top 10 here, right? And when seven and eight are guys like Yoan Moncada, who we think can have a huge breakout, and Keston Hura, a rookie from Milwaukee, who put together an incredible yeah. second half of the season, right? Hitting over 300 on pace for what would be, you know, like an MVP kind of year. About 95 I, ribbies. Yeah, rookie of the it year kind of season. That second base is a little bit deeper, right? It used to be you had some guys and then everybody else were these kind of punch and Judy defensive hitters or you would get steals from them. But that's not the case. I think this position goes 10-12 deep. I agree. Uh, I think overall, even some of the names on the bottom of the list, uh, the keepers and the sleepers, I think, are very intriguing. Again, second base is usually a position for me in fantasy baseball. And again, I haven't played fantasy baseball in a long time, but obviously I'm very in touch with the way the metrics and and the stats kind of plug in. So the outputs of what you're hoping for, Uh, I, I think. It's a versatile position. I'm not drafting a second baseman that I can't also plug into a shortstop spot if I need him or an outfielder spot. So that's what I look for when I draft middle infielders, versatility, because I want the interchangeable pieces. And I think overall there's a lot of guys on this list. Glaber Torres I think is obviously the top one, but there's some at the bottom that are very intriguing as well that have that versatility. Keto Marte, second base, shortstop, and outfield. Do Same with Lourdes Coriel Jr. For 30 you want homers. a deep sleeper. Yeah, I mean, like, these are a lot. there's a lot of guys out there. I think one of my biggest takeaways from this is I used to think that short uh, second base was a position in short supply, okay? And I really believe, I'm telling people out there, if you have your drafts going on, you can wait a little bit longer on second base. Listen, if you wind up with Yoan Moncana or even Whit Merrifield a little bit later on, I'm okay with that. You yeah. know, you mentioned a guy that you like in the sleeper list, Jared, was uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yes. To me, Gurriel, you got a lot of kids, right, in Toronto. I know we're talking about second base, but you also have Vlad Guerrero Jr. You also mm-hmm. have Bo Bichette there. It's like a second generational mm-hmm. thing in Toronto, but what do you think about some of these kids that are sleepers here, especially these Blue Jays, Biggio and Goriel? I I like the Blue Jays a little bit. Again, think about the roster construction and think about the division construction. The American League East is now the East, just no American or national. It's just the East. Uh, And I think the offenses, the, 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 the parks, the pitching, not as strong in those, in, in those leagues as they are maybe out West. I think the West has better pitching, uh, especially the Dodgers and the Angels have some really good pitching staffs. Uh, whereas the East is, I think, more offensively based, as you would expect. You've got smaller parks, Philly, right. Yankees, they're, you know, they're band boxes. So uh, more geared towards offense. So you put Toronto in that division, I think they're going to do pretty well. I like Gurriel a lot. He had 20 homers last season, a lot of position versatility, yeah. second, short, or out. In like half a season. Up, up and coming player, very good rookie campaign. Gurriel's the big name for me to watch on this list. Okay, so out of the sleepers, you know, Jared definitely likes Lourdes Goriel. He also, for some reason, likes the word sleeper, it sounds like. But that's besides the point. Anybody else you're fading on this list? Do you disagree with our closer here? I know maybe we drop Altuve down a little bit because of the unknown. But out of these names, you know, Marte you like, Glaber you like, LeMahieu you like, Moncada you like, you know, Is there anybody on this list? I mean, Ozzy Alves, I had him last year. He performs very well, and you got to love the spot he's in in a lineup, you know, with like Acuna and Freeman around him. I like that. Is there anybody here that's a little bit more of a fugazi for you? Anybody on this list that you're not going to have on your teams? Numbers-wise, if you look at Eduardo Escobar, I mean, he hit 269 and 35 homers. Something tells me those two numbers are not sustainable. Mm -hmm. I I think 35 homers for a guy in his spot is not the average amount. That is an above-average season for someone with his pop at age 32 now going into his age 32 season so I I think overall that's a guy I would look to see where the numbers might be a little less than what they were this year but overall as you said this is a pretty good positioning group I mean there's not a lot of holes here there's a lot of good second baseman in the league it looks like the offensive versatility has been kind of shifted whereas it used to be corner infielders outfielders now you can find some really good pop in the middle infield and a catcher too yeah, and that, that was my point at the start, right? When I talked about the need for speed and how do you approach the second base position, right? To your point, it used to be 
that you needed to get your power from the corner infield, you know, from two of your thumping outfielders. And then what did that leave? That left second base, shortstop, like you said, your catcher, right? Maybe one of your inf- uh, one of your outfielders is more of a top of the order run scorer kind sure. of guy. But now it seems like you don't need to get speed here in the middle infield. I'm saying, think about this: 31 homers from Altuve in only 124 games, 32 homers for Kettle Marte, 38 for Glaber. You know, we see other guys here with over 30 home runs. Is this more about like everybody's hitting home runs? Or is the second best position getting better? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, you're crazy if you don't think the amount of home runs total amongst Major League Globally. Baseball has kind of been balanced over the last few years. And I know home runs in general might be down, but I think, like we said, it's the positioning group that's really changed. Yeah. That's the part that's really changed, whereas the home runs are now, I think, a little more spread out. Before they were probably more, you know, correlated towards those corner power positions. Whereas now it's not as much about the position. And that's why I don't mind. I don't care as much about positioning. Give me the guys that are the best guys that can play the most amount of positions. That's what I'm looking for. Versatility and productivity. All right. Fair enough. So I got to ask you this, though, because we're getting into fantasy baseball here. We're going position by position. On tomorrow's show, we'll look at the shortstop. We'll look at Chris Venture's rankings, V for Vendetta, and we'll uh, respond to them, tell you which ones we would bump up, which ones were fading a little bit. But I, I want to get your thought on this. Now, the last thing that I did, okay, the last thing that I did before this pandemic hit, or at least was supposed to do, on March 12th, I was supposed to have an industry fantasy baseball draft. Okay, Um, where I was supposed to go to a bar, me, a couple of other people, you know, uh, we're in this league. Fans were going to show up and watch us and, you know, asked us what we thought about after it was a big event. It was supposed to be at a bar in Manhattan. It got canceled. That was Thursday, March 12th. Okay, and obviously we were going to, oh, should we postpone it? And then now, as one thing leads to another, obviously, we haven't had that league uh, draft just yet. That was March 12th. Let's say, Jared, you were in a league that drafted on March 6th or March 5th. You did your draft, but then the pandemic hit. My question for you is, should those draft results hold? Because it's a different thing right now, right? It's the same thing as, like, should my Eastern Conference NBA badge hold? You know, because you drafted with one set of information. It is dramatically different now in terms of everything from who's injured and who's not to what the opponents would look like to, as I've mentioned before, pitchers with innings limits or suspensions, competitive balance. The Atlanta Braves, who we talked about, may be in a completely different division overall. All of a sudden now, NL players are also have the DH involved when they didn't. So I guess the question I want to ask you is, if you did get a draft in before you know the world shut down, what do you do with those teams? Do you redraft? Do you just run with it? Does it matter if it's a home league versus an industry league versus how much money is on the line? Whatever you drafted before March 12th, which was the one that got canceled for me, it's it's completely different situation right now. So if you're a commissioner or if you're in a league, what do you do? I think I'm using my league constituents and I'm leaning on them and I'm kind of taking their temperatures. Like maybe, and again, it all, it all depends on, yeah. Like I know in my fantasy football league, we have a vote and our commissioner will send out a vote. You know, you can come, you can like go online and do like a vote thing, you know, and then you just send it out and then people vote anonymously. I think it's survey monkey is the program. Yeah. A little survey monkey, a little survey monkey action. So I, I would say that would be what I would do if I was commissioner. I would send out a survey monkey to all 12 or 15, whoever many people are in the league. And I would ask, and I'd say, hey, we we had the draft. Regardless of whether or not you're happy with your results, do you think it's fair to redraft based on all the things that have happened? And I think based on whatever answer that is, that would be a reasonable conclusion. And if it's split, say you've got 10 people in your league and it's 5-5, well, then you probably have an issue uh, and you'll probably have to have somebody break the tie or have a a conversation to, to further the discussion. But my guess is you'll see a definitive answer on one side. Personally, I'd like to redraft. I do think Good. it changes. Yeah, I, I, I do think it changes the dynamic of a season when you go from 162 games to 80 games. And it's unfair to 
give someone a team, especially if there's money involved, to give someone a team where the entire, you know, and you know, the former math teacher in you is well, the equation has totally been changed here. Yeah. How can I, how can I be asked to put X and Y into an equation if I don't know the Z? And how can I get that answer? There's just, you know, you, you have to know all the variables before you can make an accurate assessment. Probably April 16th. That's when you're like, all right, you know, this is obviously going to be something that's right, going to be But we did by that point all- here that like Aaron Judge won't be ready for opening day. James yeah. Paxton just had surgery. And now they right? are. And now they're ready to go. You know, so. Changes everything. It, I would say for you, I, I would say you'd want that draft to be later. If, if it was me, I would want the draft to be done at a time. And that's what we have this argument every year about the NFL draft when we want our fantasy football draft to be. Right. I have some old school people in my league that like it week one of preseason. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. We don't know anything week one of preseason. I like it week three, week four really is my ideal. The ideal spot to have an NFL fantasy draft uh, is the is right after week three and before week four. To me, that's the sweet spot. And and so, you you know, if you're going to tell me that we're not going to have all the variables by whatever March 6th. And yeah, no, I I would say we should redraft. But again, every league's different. There's different things involved, different factors. Last question for this. Does it matter if it's a home league among friends or something where you paid a $500 buy-in? If there's Just more the money, money involved, people are going to be right? more. Yeah. Because, you know, let's say you're in a league. It's and, a friendly you know, league and it's like, eh, you know, whatever. But let's say you paid money and there's other people in this league that are like, yo, nah, we drafted. But this is what it is. You should have known that these variables are at play. Yeah, you should have known no, coronavirus was going to ruin the world in March. Not that, but I mean, you no, know, I know, I know. I'm just certain level, if you're drafting on March 3rd, you are inherently taking on, just to your point, that there's a month, a month and a half of unknown that could happen, right? So you're drafting with that unknown. And that's on the league. I mean, that's, you know, that's the league's decision. That's why I get upset when our fantasy league has the draft week one of preseason. I'm like, what if the guy I'm drafting gets hurt week two? Well, well you should have known. Or, yeah, those like are the one of those training camp battles that goes the way you think it's going to go, right. right? There's ways to get ahead of it or not. A very interesting question. And one thing's for sure, Jared, we'll make sure to get you involved in the fantasy baseball draft this year here at yeah. Sports Grid. Then again, if. They play Major League Baseball. Well, we'll be here tomorrow regardless. I hope you will be too. For Jared, I'm Dane. This has been another edition. It's in-game live. I'm giving you the edge on Sports Grid. See you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.